One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. So glad to be on the Work-Life Balance on this uh, Friday afternoon. I just had a computer glitch there right as the show kicked off. And so everything's resetting for some reason. Hopefully you're hearing me live. Uh, So I'm back after three weeks. Uh, You know, we did uh, uh, got a lot of stuff to talk about. So I figured I'd just title this episode, Let's Catch Up and uh, find out where everybody's been, what was going on. Uh, where was I? All of those fun things. And uh, also just to share some of the stories of, of what did occur while I was out and about. Um, so uh, I missed you guys. though. I missed talking to you. I missed uh, the little recap that I get to do on Friday afternoons. Um, and uh, we'll also see if we get into, you know, some of the potential, you know, changes that are coming in the business, my life, things like that. So uh, first, I want to thank uh, two very dear friends of mine. So I wanted to thank Chrissy Krumzak and Amanda Lefevre. Uh They hosted the show uh, so that we didn't have to do three weeks of replays since I was going to be out. Um, so if you didn't catch those episodes, you abso- absolutely want to get onto the website. You can go to voiceamerica.com, search the work-life balance. Uh, we did an introductory episode just to introduce them to the audience, and then uh, they did an episode on their own. And we're hoping... We're hoping we'll hear a lot more from those two uh, as, as I think, and, and you guys as an audience can let me know, but I think they need to have their own show. So we're going we're gonna to work through that. We're going to see what happens. But um, let's go back. So where was I? Um, we can go all the way back to September 4th, uh, that, uh, that week, that show. That is actually uh, the, the date that uh, Chrissy and Amanda did theirs. So again, as you're searching the website, look for the September 4th show. Uh, but I got a chance to go to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and um, hang out with what we call LIM, uh, which is the uh, Leadership Institute uh, Master's class, and this is the Leadership Institute meeting. And so essentially, it's um, it's chapter officers and leaders of the Project Management Institute, PMI. Uh, they get together once a year, and, and there's, you know, work for them. There's, uh, there's sessions, uh, but it's really kind of a a family reunion kind of uh, feeling. So I went to, um, I am a graduate of the Leadership Institute Master's class in 2010 uh, and then was the advisor and, and mentor to the 2012 class. And um, really that, that what that means is there's just, you know, people that, uh, that we got really close to and got a chance to, to really get to know from all over the world. Um, and this is the event that the, that they all come back to, and uh, we get a chance to to check in and see what's going on with each other's careers and hold each other accountable to where we want to go. Um, and so it's just a great time. But this one was pretty special because it was the 50 year anniversary uh, of PMI, and um, you know, as a side note to that, um, I, th- I think one of my favorite moments of, of 2018. Um, I know we're in 2019 now, but one of my favorite moments of, of, of 2018 is uh, I, I got a chance to speak in El Paso. And as I was speaking in El Paso, um, another gentleman that was there to speak by the name of Jim Snyder. And uh, Jim is is like PMI member number four. He, he is one of the, the original four, founding four of PMI. And so we, we had the day where we, we all got to speak, but we got some time in the evening uh, to hang out with Jim. And so if we, if we look at the 50 year anniversary of PMI, how cool is it that, you know, he and, and three friends started to, to get together and, and discuss the potential of, of creating a, a standard for a profession that really wasn't that well known still for that matter is really not that well known, but um, they, they wanted to create a standard and wanted to uh, start to educate people as to what project management is. So it started literally just the four of them getting together. Then at Georgia Tech, um, it started to grow and grow. And now I believe it's either the number one or number two uh, volunteer-led chapter membership nonprofit organization in the world. And uh, I got a chance to sit across from him. And as he was telling stories about the formation and, and where he sees the future of PMI and just his life and his career, 
um, you know, I had this real, this, this rare moment where I got to thank him, uh, because if it wasn't for PMI, um, you know, who knows where, where I would have, uh, have turned up, but it was at a PMI event that I decided I wanted to be a speaker. It was at a PMI event that I decided I was going to write my first book. It was through being a member of PMI uh, that uh, I really started to focus on personal growth and leadership. And, and I feel like all of those decisions and all of those points have led me to exactly where I am today. And so this gentleman, you know, we're, we're celebrating this incredible accomplishment, but imagine just, you know, sitting around with three of your buddies and, and you, you start talking, Hey, we should do something. And then 50 years later, they're celebrating an anniversary of just uh, of one of the largest nonprofit organizations and, and, and membership organizations in the world. How cool that has to be. So Jim was there. Um, obviously I also got a chance to, uh, to spend time with Mark Langley and uh, Greg Ballesteros, who are the former uh, CEOs uh, uh, presidents uh, of PMI. Um, and there's a new one now in Sunil and, and I have not had a chance to, to really get to meet Sunil and, and, and find out what he's about. But I do know that he comes from um, a lot of the uh, business process reengineering background, uh, rebranding, transformation kind of stuff. He's, he really knows uh, the remote processing automation and the R R robotic proce processing automation, RPA. And so it's, it's going to be interesting to see where he takes it, but they completely rebranded PMI. They kind of did a relaunch. It was actually really, really clever and cool in how they did that. Um, and so for instance, when, you know, when you come into an event like this, you know, the poles are wrapped and there's, there's signs everywhere telling you where to go and, and, you know, signs on doors and all that kind of stuff. Well, when we were at LIM, it was all the old PMI logo and they were talking about a new branch and, you know, uh, a rebranding and all of this kind of stuff. And generally, you know, you'll announce and maybe you show the logo and, and then, you know, it, it's, it's weeks later or months later that you really start to see it come out. Um, but what was interesting is, you know, we're there one day and, and we see all the decorations, all the setup, all that stuff. Well, at the kickoff of the, the general meetings, that's when they really announced the rebranding. But when you came into the event, all the poles were rewrapped. All the signs were redone. The, the new logo and the colors and all that stuff were everywhere, um, which I, I just found that pretty cool. I thought that was a, a really uh, unique way to do it. I've never seen it done like that before um, and thought it was pretty cool. I thought they, uh, they did a fantastic job. Some of the bigger benefits of, of going to Lim, you know, personally for me is again, catching up with, with, with old friends, getting to see, you know, Watson and Jim Snyder, get to see Johnny Moe, uh, get to see Agnieszka and, and Ce uh, Cecilia Bogey and um, just really spend some time with, with some, some quality leaders that are transforming the world. They're, they're transitioning and, and, and building just great big things. Um, and it's cool to, uh, you know, have time to, to spend, you know, with, with uh, Kmart, uh, Kevin Martin out of uh, Texas and uh, Jim and, and just, just a ton of people that, um, I've gotten a chance to, uh, uh, Frank, of course, w w was there, uh, Frank Saladis. Um, and so it, it's, it's a memory lane. It's, it's a judgment of kind of where we are, where we want to go. Um, and uh, just a great time to, to hang out with these people. And um, so that's where I was that week of September 4th. I got to go to Philly, got to hang out, uh, see some great friends. Um, speaking of great friends, uh, there's, there's a few of you that I know that are listening at the moment that I know is, are, are, are kind of going through tough times. And uh, I, I think I'm one of those included. We, we may get into a little bit of that uh, later on in the episode. But uh, just hang in there, man, and uh, know that uh, everything's going to work out, man. Everything's going to be okay. And a lot of people ask me why I say that all the time or how do I know. Um, and uh, I, I think my, my superpower is having an abundance of hope. Um, and understanding um, that hope can really see us through and, and understanding that um, the right people come into our lives at the right time. Um, so for those of you that, uh, that, that I've talked to this week and, and had a chance to visit with and I know are just, you know, just not having the day that they hope they had or the week they would hope they'd have, I'd, I'd tell you just from my heart, it's going to be okay. It's going to be good. Um, that, that, 
you know, you are people of influence doing influential things. And uh, I hope and pray for you and, and know that uh, you're going to just kill it. It's just who you are. It's who you're meant to be. So uh, to all of you guys um, that are kind of struggling with that, um, I don't know if there's, you know, something in the air this week or, but it, it seems like, um, it seems I'm, I'm a huge fan of energy and understanding energy and, and putting positive energy out there. That's where my abundance of hope comes from. But what's weird is it seems like my, the, the energy ebbs and flows together in a group, meaning like, all of my close people that, that are in my inner circle, we, we seem to have all, you know, tough weeks in the same week. It's really weird. Um, and then we all have just amazing weeks in, in the same week. It's, it's just interesting how, um, I don't know if, if we all vibrate at the same level. And so um, we're bringing each other to each other's level or, or what, but um, it's just interesting to me to, to kind of monitor and watch that. So for those of you that have listened to the show, you can tell that, that I'm just going to catch up with you and say whatever's on my brain so you never know what's going to be said next, uh, which is fantastic and, and makes it a little bit of fun. But I will get into where I was on September 11th and where I was September 18th and what happened those weeks. And we're going to do that right after this break. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the Work-Life Balance on this Friday afternoon. We're catching up because I've been gone forever, it feels like. Um, So uh, we just recapped what happened September 4th. So let's get into uh, what was really a fun week, uh, week of September 11th, that whole weekend. Um, a lot was happening. So it, it, will, it will start um, with Live to Lead. So you heard us promote Live to Lead a lot. Uh, we talked about Live to Lead. I, I have to say, hands down, uh, probably one of the best Live to Leads that, that I had ever seen. So this is probably, I think, my fourth year or fifth year being involved with it. Um, and uh, I uh, uh, help... I uh, don't co-host, but I help uh, uh, Richard Mobley here in town, which we call him the unofficial mayor of Birmingham, uh, with his event. Uh, normally, uh, we have a, a, a local celebrity, local media guy by the name of James Spann as the MC. Uh, something happened with the double booking, and so I ended up emceeing the event uh, for Richard. It was a lot of fun. Um, but um, first of all, if, if you're interested, you can go to uh, uh, livedelete.com. Um, or l2l.johnmaxwell.com as well, um, and search for somebody in your area because they have a, a unique ability to do a rebroadcast. And what the rebroadcast allows uh, you to do is bring this into your organization. Uh, they can edit it up. They can they can show you the whole presentation or just specific speakers. Um, we can do a highlight reel, or we can do you know just just the full event, as well as mix that up with some some leadership uh, activities, play the leadership game, or do a, a lunch and learn, or 
uh, start a mastermind around uh, one of John's books. There's a lot of different things that we can do. So if you miss Live to Lead, uh, I'm going to describe it a little bit here, but uh, please go to uh, l2l.johnmaxwell.com. What that's going to lead you to is who in your area uh, did the broadcast, and they're going to have the rights to do a rebroadcast. So you're going to want to check that out if you can, because uh, I'm telling you, it was it was phenomenal. Um, so generally, Live to Lead starts with John Maxwell. John started um, you know, teaching from a new book uh, that he's got coming out soon and uh, was sharing some information with us. Uh, and generally, they'll break up John. So John will open it and close. Well, the, the second speaker or the next speaker that came up, I didn't know much about. Um, I didn't know a whole lot about uh, Chris Hogan. I can tell you he's got a voice to die for. The guy's uh, voice is, is incredible. Um, but uh, he, he was phenomenal. I didn't know a whole lot about Chris. He actually works uh, in the Dave Ramsey organization. Uh, he played football. He played professionally a little bit. Um, and uh, he, was, he was a phenomenal speaker. Had some really good points. Um, and, uh, again, just really pushing leadership, wanting you to, to, uh, to take a step and to, to take that next step and fight fear. Uh, and then, uh, there, there was a, a meeting with, uh, Angela Renz where they, uh, they talked through, um, some different things as well. But the, the, the big thing for me is, is when Rachel Hollis and Marcus, uh, Buckingham got up. So Rachel Hollis gets up first and, and I'm a huge fan now of Rachel, um, I got to see Rachel uh, live in March of last year. I uh, have seen her do a couple of uh, events since, and then she she was on this Live to Lead. Uh, but she's a powerhouse, and um, I watched her uh, switch her speech up uh, based on what Chris Hogan had said. And so that's the kind of stuff I'm always looking for when I'm at these events is obviously I want to be entertained. I want to hear great speakers, but I also want to have the ability to to watch them technically and how they operate and how they maneuver. And uh, Rachel started to switch up and, and, and start to tell some personal stories that she really wasn't planning on talking about. But one of my favorite quotes that, that Rachel shares, um, and uh, I actually repeated this uh, at another event that I was at yesterday, uh, is that really if, if, if you're lacking something in your business, if you're lacking something in, um, in just knowledge, you can find anything. Uh, free on the internet. We say, we say GTS at um, Google that stuff. You can use whatever S word you want to use, but uh, this is radio. So I'll, I'll keep it clean, but literally basically anything you want to know is, is on the internet and it's free. So her point to this though, is, is as she was, you know, growing up, she started wanting to become a speaker. She started watching speakers on YouTube uh, she ran into an issue around some of the finances of her company, didn't know how to do you know, something um, around the finances, so she Googled it and learned it. And so what she's concluded and in, in what the quote is that I love so much is in today's day and age where you literally can find everything for free on the internet, that ignorance is a choice. You're, you're, you, to be ignorant in a specific topic or to not know something is a choice. Um, because you can go learn it. You can go find out about it. Um, and so I started to reflect on that and started thinking about, you know, my parenting style, which I'm sure there's a lot of things that my kids would say that, that I've done wrong. There's a lot of things that I look back and wish I'd had done differently. Um, but as my daughter has gone off to college uh, and is 18, I think one of the, the things that, that I'm most proud of is, is her independence to think, her independence of thought, um, is you know, when, when she doesn't know something to go to the internet, to Google something, to, to understand it. Um, she would come home from school and she would you know, talk about what the rumor was in school or what the kids were talking about, and I'd always just go to Google and we'd start looking it up and start to see what, what our own decision of the truth was. We'd go research what we could, uh, try to read all sides of a story and start to decide what, what of this uh, do we believe in, in what really happened versus what are the buzzwords going around. And so Rachel's quote just hit me, you know, square because um, what a beautiful thought. Like if, if, 
there's something you're struggling with in your business or there's something you're struggling with in your personal life or there's just something you want to know, um, we've got just unlimited resources uh, like we've never had before to help educate us in all the different ways and all the different things to do. So Rachel was uh, phenomenal. Um, but I think what was, was most unexpected was, was Marcus Buckingham. So I've read Marcus's book, you know, first break all the rules, I think is one of the, one of the best books I've ever read. Um, and he, he does a lot of, uh, uh things around, um, how we measure, uh, performance at an organization and challenges a lot of the norms, uh, of how we measure performance and how we give feedback, uh, to people. So I, I really enjoyed that piece. Um, but, uh, again, what made this so memorable is there's this college admissions scandal that's going on. And um, if you haven't heard about it in the United States, there's been several celebrities who have, who actually were arrested uh, by the FBI and, and several people around a college admissions scandal where they were paying uh, to ease the process for their kids to get into schools like USC and, and some others. Um, well, Marcus's, uh, son uh, got caught up to that uh, via his wife. So his wife had participated in the scandal. And Marcus being so well known, so many people had come to him, you know, USA Today and Time and New York Times and all these people wanted to interview him. And he's never s spoken publicly about his feelings or about what happened uh, until this event. And um, it was very emotional. It was very raw. Um, and, and he presented a different side that, than I was expecting. So the, the, the different side that, that we got to hear from was the, the child, the student, his son. So he tells the story where he, you know, he's, he's about to go into work and, and he gets a phone call from his son and he says, you got you know, you to come over right away. Uh, Marcus had been separated, uh, divorced his wife, and they had been divorced a couple of years. Um, so he... he you know, goes over to, uh, to, to talk to him. And he says, you know, dad, mom has just been arrested. The FBI just raided our house. Mom's been taken away. So as they're reading the, the complaint and they found the complaint online, they're going through it. And as they're reading the complaint, it turns out that, um, you know, the son is the one that finds out that it's due to a college admission scandal as to why the FBI were even there. So for a while, they didn't even know why that was happening. And when they um, got involved, then the son looked at Marcus and says, hey, uh, does that mean I didn't really get into USC on my own? And it was just a really raw and emotional moment because um, a lot of people don't think of it from that side. And, and Marcus was describing, you know, how do you tell you, tell your son that he, that he may or may not have, like he may have gotten into USC on his own merit, but, but the, the doubt that creeps in because his mom got caught up in the scandal, how does that affect him? How does that, um, you know, does that, does that linger in, in, in any way? So um, Marcus actually had me in tears during the, the conversation. And um, so to follow suit, you know, John Maxwell is supposed to come up and do the second half of his presentation, and he throws his presentation out and addresses um, kind of the the mood of the room. And, and again, just I love watching professionals and the technical aspects of, you know, they've got something they've rehearsed, they've got something that they were going to do, and now they're reacting to the mood of the room. They're reacting to what the previous speakers had said versus just getting up there and doing what they're supposed to do. And it was just a really poignant moment where uh, – you know, Marcus thanks John for John's counsel the night before. And, uh, there, you know, there's a hug on stage and, and, uh, you can see John's really emotional, uh, and switches up his speech. So beyond just phenomenal speakers and, and why you would want to, to, to bring this into your organization and just watch just some incredible, not only do, do you get incredible professional advice, uh, but you just see them being human, um, and that's why you need to seek out a John Maxwell team member in your area and see a rebroadcast if you missed it. Cause this is just, this isn't your standard. These, first of all, these aren't standard speakers. I mean, it's literally uh, 
I think we calculated at one point it was like $300,000 or $400,000 worth of speakers uh, if them in individually into your organization. So not only do you get the benefit of that and the benefit of the speakers, but just some really unexpected and very cool moments uh, of what happened on stage. So that was September 11th. Um, as soon as I was done with that event and seeing that event, I'd literally sprint to the airport and hop a flight to Orlando. And uh, when I landed in Orlando that night, there are friends of mine that uh, knew I was coming into town that was kind of hosting a get together. So, I mean, I, I went directly from the airport to this get together. Um, and that's going to lead into a little bit of a, a more of a story. So I'm going to go ahead and take the break right here. Uh, and we'll talk about what happened in Orlando. When I come back, you're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end -end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back uh, to the Work-Life Balance. And uh, one of my uh, key listeners has let me know I've been off a whole month. That's... Um, uh, these, this is October 4th and October 11th and October 18th, not uh, September. Uh, so that tells you where my mind's at. But um, So coming back to the story, we're still talking about the weekend of October the 11th. And um, uh, so I just left, uh, lived to lead, uh, hopped on a flight to Orlando. Um, and so the first thing that happens is that there, there's a get-together for in, in Orlando. And it's, it's several people um, that I got a, a, a chance to hang out with. Um, and several of those people I've known since the second grade, uh, and we're coming up on our 30 year, uh, high school reunion. So I've known a lot of these people for a long time. Uh, so, uh, I, I got to hang out with, and, and I know them, I, I there, there's different names now, but to me it's Robin Monson and Heather Rusnell and, and, uh, Debbie Markey, Amy Flakes. Um, and, uh, you know, we had Steve was there, there a lot of people there. Um, but that was a fun time. We got a chance just to, to talk and reminisce and, and um, see where each other are in our lives. So uh, it, it seemed like almost every event I was going to during these three weeks that, that I was gone was, was some sort of reunion type. But what I really went to Orlando for, what was very fun, uh, is that next day on the 12th, October 12th, was actually Wayne Brady Day in Orlando. And uh, you know, I've known Wayne a long time. He's he, he's been a great friend and and uh, confidant and and somebody I've I've been able to to hang out with over the years. Uh, and Orlando, the the mayor had made it Wayne Brady Day, and then he was doing a a uh, a show that night at the what's called now the Dr. Phillips Center, uh, which we went to Dr. Phillips High School. So this is a, a huge arts. Uh, theater center. They actually have multiple stages in that place. It's beautiful. Um, but uh, Wayne had had come back to his roots. He got started in improv um, at the SAC Theater uh, right there, downtown there. 
that's where he met uh, Jonathan Mangum. Uh, and if you're a fan of Wayne Brady, you'll you'll notice that you know wherever he goes, Jonathan is, and, and that's just how loyal of a guy he is. And you know when he negotiated and got um, when he got uh, let's make a deal, uh, when he had his own show, uh, when he does his shows in Vegas, he he always brings Jonathan with him, and, and uh, so it's amazing to watch them uh, do their thing. They they can finish. They've been doing improv together for so long. Um, that uh, you know they can finish each other's sentences, and what I particularly like to to watch for is when they crack each other up, when it, when they know the hot buttons on each other, and and, and can kind of make them break character, break script. Uh, is a lot of fun for me to watch. But uh, we got a chance to go see that event, hang out uh, uh, with Wayne. I I, I took my uh, my best friend from high school and his wife uh, to the show. Uh, it was their think twenty third or twenty fourth anniversary. Uh, so I got a chance to to take them to a nice dinner and to the show and, and just had a good time with that was uh, Matt and Lisa uh, Amos, uh, which we call him Famous Amos. And it was my uh, original volleyball partner uh, back in the day when we all thought we were, you know, top gun guys and, and uh, really good at the sport. But uh, uh, all joking aside, Matt's really good at that sport. But uh, we had a great time with them. Uh, and Wayne's show was so cool. It, um, another side note to that, uh, as I'm, uh, as we go backstage, there, there were several of us backstage because it's his hometown and, you know, he wanted to see everybody. I, I bumped into two people that, um, as a student, I was horrible to them. I was just, I was not a very good student in high school. I, I, I got good grades. I just wasn't a good student. And, uh, I was particularly difficult to deal with. Um, and, and I think two of the teachers that I was toughest on was, was Sue Poro, who was my uh, junior year English teacher, and then my drama teacher, Karen Regario, uh, who, I mean, is, has been the drama teacher to Wayne Brady, to Joey Patone, uh, to a lot of the Mickey Mouse Club kids. Uh, there's just been a lot of people that, that are doing very well that came through her tutelage. Um, and she retired as a teacher, but then the Dr. Phillips Center has hired her to, to uh, work with kids in, in drama as well. So she's you know right back at it. But I got a chance to hang with, with Karen and Sue, and you know, talk to them, and and they were so sweet, and uh, they they remembered some stories of of what I did in high school, and um, it, it's neat to go back to your English teacher who thought, um, you know, maybe or maybe not you'd amount to anything, and and to be a a, a best selling author and to have several books out there, um, she probably could name two thousand students. Uh, way above me that that would have ever gotten there um so it was nice to visit with her and share with her and and, and talk and, and hang out with them but uh uh it was pretty incredible event to see wayne to to see everybody in orlando so came back home for a short time and then uh the following weekend october 18th the reason why i wasn't here is i was speaking in uh, tampa florida for uh, another project management institute event um and that one was near and dear to me because I got my professional start in Tampa, Florida. So the very first time I decided I wanted to speak, I started putting proposals out there and, and Tampa, Florida was the first one, the, the Tampa PMI chapter was the first one to, to say yes to any of my proposals. And I remember taking, you know, my family down there and, and um, I'll never forget, uh, you know, I had my kids there. And, and uh, I said to my wife, I said, look, uh, I'm going to go do this thing. And uh, depending on, you know, whether it works or not, I'll know if I'm going down the right path. So this was the first professional speech that, that I was being paid to, to go do. Um, and uh, the, the book wasn't even uh, quite out yet. Uh, the book was coming. So wasn't sure if it was going to be successful. Wasn't sure, you know, how, how things were, were going to go. And uh, still to this day, that Tampa audience was was the best audience that that I had ever had. Uh, it's why I, I mentioned a gentleman's name earlier, Frank Saladis, who's a PMI fellow and uh, well known in project management circles. He was speaking in the room next to me, and uh, I was getting applause breaks and laughter breaks, and and you know people were really resonating with the message. Um, but we were causing a lot of commotion. And uh, so much so that Frank stopped his speech to come into our room to find out who was speaking, to find out who was causing such a commotion at one of these conferences, because it's not known for 
uh, that type of outbreak. And uh, we became friends and have been friends ever since. So Tampa is near and dear to me, and they they called me and, and asked me to come out, and it was happy to to oblige and go out there. Um, but it was a it, it was a neat moment for me as well because um, I got a chance to share that story with them. And so here it is, you know, 15 years later, and I'm still a professional speaker. So to go back and pay homage to the place where it all started was a lot of fun. A buddy of ours and fellow John Maxwell team member, Wayne Brantley, was was running it. Wayne was gracious. The whole team was gracious. It was nice to uh, get out there and do it. And I actually shared uh, brand new material with them. Um, I've done a little bit of it on the show, and I'm continuing to develop the art of ethical influence. Um, and that's really, you know, my process. I had somebody ask me, how do I write books? Um, and so I write uh, or, or journal almost every day as much as I can. Uh, but what I do when I put together a speech is go back to my journaling and find points that I want to do. And then I try it out in front of an audience. And when I can make it stick and land it at an audience, then to me, it's good enough for a book. I know that's a little bit reverse. What a lot of people do, they'll write the book and then they'll go speak. Um, that's just, just just my process. I'm an auditory thinker. I make better connections when I'm on stage. Uh, and so uh, that that speech was a lot of fun and they were, they were very cool. And just uh, on a personal note, as soon as I, I finished that, jumped on a plane, came home, and was in Tuscaloosa the next day uh, watching a football game with, with a good friend of mine as, as our annual tradition to go to Tennessee, Alabama um, uh, football game. So lot, a lot of activity, a lot of stuff was going on um, while we were gone. And then this all leads up to yesterday. Um, you know, yesterday I had the opportunity. I, I uh, am a huge fan of junior achievement and uh, really love what they do in our schools. And it's completely, you know, it's a nonprofit. And, and from a teaching aspect, it's run by volunteers. And they're always short volunteers. So if you're looking for an opportunity to start to learn how to get up in front of an audience, start to, to talk to people, start to, um, you know, present, uh, JA is a great way to to get started because they give you all the materials that you need and and they you know you learn how to to interject the things you want to interject and if you do it enough there's certain aspects you know certain things you want to teach certain things you don't but they give you literally a step by step guide scripts activities the whole nine yards and it's it's normally a six week commitment so you go to the same period to the same school for six weeks well I've been doing this for years. Uh, and for the last five years, have been doing it for the Entrepreneurship and, and, and Finance Academy at, at Hoover High School. And um, one of the things we also do in John Maxwell teams, what we call GYI or Global Youth Initiative. And so in the month of October, we try to touch as many youth as possible um, and pour into them and, and uh, give presentations and, and impact the, the youth as much as possible. And so for my GYI event, I wanted to continue to work with the Entrepreneurship Academy at, at Hoover High School. And so I had uh, sponsored and donated uh, DISC assessments, the, the College and Career Advancement DISC assessment, which actually takes them through how they communicate outwardly, which is, which is DISC. It walks them through their hidden motivators um, and, and why they make certain decisions and what motivates their decisions. It goes through the type of learner that they are. So are they audio, uh, auditory learner, they visual learner, they uh, kinesthetic. Um, and then it also goes through what type of thinker are they? Are they a literal thinker? Are they intuitive thinker? Are they theoretical? They're experimental. Uh, and just phenomenal information, like arming these kids with, with more information about how their brain is wired, how their brain works than, than ever before. And so... Um, I got a chance to teach four periods and, and take 60 students through that curriculum. And, and out of that, what I have to say is, man, do I have respect for our teachers and teaching profession. Um, for me, because I'm such a high eye, I'm very cognizant when I speak about repeating myself, about saying things I just said or, or you know, making the same point over and over. And you know, by the third period and fourth period, I was catching myself going, wait a minute, you know, did I already say this? Have I already taught this? What? Right. It was really weird. Um, so I felt like I left certain things out of certain periods and maybe gave too much to other periods. It, it was just really interesting. But I was exhausted. 
like I could do a full day seminar and I wasn't as tired as I was um, doing four 45 minute classes. Um, so it was, it was interesting, but uh, certainly thankful to, to Miss Smith and all that she does for, for those kids. And um, we prepare them and it, that um, we prepare these kids for what's called the business plan challenge. So, so they come up with a product idea or service idea, they develop their own business plan and then they present it and the, the winners of the JA business plan challenge uh, actually get scholarships to school. And so last year I was super proud because uh, there were seven finalists uh, selected to, to win these scholarships and all seven came from our high school. Um, so we, we are wanting to continue that tradition and really pour into these kids and not only that, but there's some really cool business ideas and I, I love the exuberance of youth and, um, the kids are starting to catch on, uh, that, that Lisa and I are, are kind of free resources to them. So they started scheduling morning meetings with us and, and, you know, talking through their business ideas and, and we're there to help consult and, and, and teach and, and help them learn what it's like to be an entrepreneur. So it's a really exciting time. All of that was done through Junior Achievement. That's what I did yesterday, which brings us all the way up to today. Um, and so uh, a lot of business uh, changes are coming my way, a lot of, uh, of things. But um, I think what I want to land on here for our closing segment, we'll do it in just a second. But um, there was something I found myself uh, saying over and over again over the last three weeks. And it had to do with people that aspire to do this for a living. They either aspire to be uh, in podcasting and radio, or they aspire to be a professional speaker. They aspire to um, write a book. And um, I, I think the largest objection I hear, and it, it, it's a comparison gap, uh, you know, John Maxwell writes about it in 15 Invaluable Laws of, of Growth, um, is there's a comparison gap. It, immediately they go, well, this person's already said that, this person's already doing that, um, this group has you know, already achieved this, and so why, why should I do it? Why, why should I go forward? Um, or you know, maybe I'm not going to be good enough for, you know, I saw so-and-so and they're awesome, I'll never be at their level. I, I hear this stuff all of the time. Uh, and so what I'm going to do is tell you what I say to overcome those objections and what you should be thinking about if that's you, if, if you're trying to be a speaker, a podcaster, author, and, and, and your first thought is, you know, I'm not good enough or somebody's already said it, uh, I'll give you the advice that, that I dispensed quite a bit over the last three weeks, but we're going to do that after break. So we're going to take our final break right here. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end -end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back for the final segment of the Work-Life Balance on this Friday afternoon. Uh, we've really just been recapping where, where the heck I've been over the last three weeks. We've got some really cool shows coming up 
Um, uh, next week, we've got Scott Miller coming on, who's got a fantastic new book out there. Um, and he's part of, of I, I believe it's the part of the Franklin Covey uh, organization, uh, one of those organizations. But uh, we're really looking forward to having him on, excited about this new book that he's got out. Uh, he'll be our guest next week when we return. So right before break, I was talking about what is been the advice that I've been given these aspiring speakers and, and podcasters, that kind of stuff. But um, first of all, and, and the, the biggest advice I can give is that nobody's heard it from you. Uh, so when somebody says, well, you know, uh, Rachel Hollis has already said that. Well, she has, but they, they haven't heard it from you. And, um, as I said, when I, when I go to these events and when I watch people that, that have gotten to the level of John Maxwell and Rachel Hollis, Marcus Buckingham, Chris Hogan, I, I really watch technically what they do as well as hear what they say. And there'll be at least, there'll be a minimum of, of eight to 10 quotes from other people that they're referencing and putting together and packaging in, in their speech. And so basically they're building upon ideas uh, from what other people have said. And the, the biggest thing that, that, that I've done, and I, I started to do this, um, uh, is I asked people to interview, to, to, to ask, had they ever heard of John Maxwell? Have they ever heard of Rachel Hollis? You know, I did this with, with 60 high school students yesterday. I asked all of them, have they had ever heard of John Maxwell? Have they ever heard of Rachel Hollis? And not one kid raised their hand, which means if I'm referencing something that John has said, for those 60 students, that's the first time they're hearing it. And everybody I feel has an audience that is willing to hear them. So just because you've heard it before doesn't mean they have heard it before. And really what you wanna be able to do is take the great things that have been said by others and put your spin on it and your spin on it comes from your personal story and the one thing that everybody has is their own personal story, their own spin, their own way of hearing things, moving through things, dealing with life in and of itself. Which means that when you tell your story and you put your spin or you talk about how you overcame or you talk about uh, experiences that you've had, if you, if you talk about um, things that have uplifted you, there's a high chance that that's going to uplift that person in the audience. And, and my, my other advice is all you need is one. If, if, if I'm speaking to 4,000 people, I'm hoping at least one of them is going to take action activity and, and change their lives based on, on words that, that are being said. Um, and obviously, you know, you want more than that, but, but at the same time, all they need is one. And as a professional speaker for 15 years, I, I can't tell you, what it feels like um, when somebody comes up and this just happened to me in Tampa. Uh, it had been a few years since I've been back in Tampa, but I've probably spoken in Tampa eight to 10 times at this point now. And um, somebody came up to me and said, it's been too long since you've been here. Um, you know, you really changed my career when you gave me, you know, this advice, it was something I had said from stage and it's something I'll never forget. And I, and I attribute, a lot of my career success to me making that switch that you challenged me to do. I'm telling you that that feeling alone is, is worth getting out there and failing 50 times. It, it, it just is because when you do connect and when you do change and when you do impact somebody else, just by sharing your story it, it, and the reason why I say sharing your story is so important is because it has to be done with authenticity. I've seen speakers that get up there and just rattle off quotes from other people, but you can tell they don't believe in it. You can tell that they haven't applied it. You can tell they, ha they haven't changed anything because they heard it. They're just regurgitating words that they heard that they thought would be popular. You see, the key to all of this, the key to, to, to building an audience, the key to being a knowledge person, the key to, to really impacting somebody else's life is authenticity is being authentic to who you are and telling the story. The only, you're the only person in the world. You are the only person in the world that can tell your story with authenticity. 
you know, earlier in the program, I was discussing what Marcus Buckingham had said, and I didn't do it any justice, right? I'm sharing the authentic reaction that I had to it. And I talked about what he said, but to hear Marcus say it and to hear Marcus say it the way he says it has such authenticity that it, it's, it's incredible. And that's really the key to connection on stage. That's really the key to uh, connection to the material. And it, it can be anything. I mean, I, I've heard stories about making dinner that, that have impacted me. I've heard stories about, uh, you know, people training horses that, that have impacted me. I've heard stories about people going through sports, you know, things that, that have impacted me. It's, it's, it's unbelievable the impact you can have in somebody's life just by sharing your authentic story. So that's my advice to overcome the objective. Just because somebody else has said it doesn't mean they've heard it. Just because somebody else has said it doesn't mean you can't uh, build upon the idea. And nobody can take the stage like you can take the stage. And nobody can take the stage and, and perform like you can because it's your authentic story. So don't let those objections stop you from creating the content that has the potential of impacting and changing somebody's life forever. That's the human side of all of this is that we connect as humans and can impact and change people's lives forever simply by sharing what we've been through and how we've overcome. So that's my challenge to you. If, if that's something that you aspire to reach out to us, um, we're actually going to be launching a, a whole new service that we're excited about, but be one of the first ones. Just reach out to me. Hit me up at uh, rmorris at rsquareconsulting.com or rick at rickamorris.com. Find me on Twitter. Find me on LinkedIn. Find me on Facebook. Uh, and just say, hey, I aspire to, to, to change somebody's life through my personal story, and we'll let you know how we can help. Uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and close it out for today. I appreciate you guys listening and, and hanging around and listening to what's happened over the last three weeks. And again, uh, we'll be getting back to our regular programming and, and regular uh, cadence uh, starting next week uh, with Scott Miller. Uh, until then, I hope you guys achieve your own work-life balance, and we'll talk to you next Friday. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show. 